This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I am Brendan Nunez, and Rich Ivanowski is here today as well. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. It's just the two of us today, and uh, excited to dive in on some more free agency talk. Yet a start. It looks like your finals prediction is going to beat me out here. Toronto's up 3-1. Yeah, well, I mean, don't jinx it, because I did talk about the possibility of uh KD coming back and saving the day so yeah you never know but it certainly does uh, it certainly does feel like that's what's gonna happen yeah I'm not fully counting Golden State out which might be a little foolish of me but it's it's definitely you know what's interesting is that I feel like Kawhi kind of set an example of you don't have to be the most vocal guy in the room to be a leader right he's uh he's been absolutely unbelievable uh, he, may, I mean, as of right now, he may be the best player in the world. Yeah, I think that's a serious debate. Um, but today, we are going to be breaking down free agent shooting guards. One of the guys, the top guy, debatably a, I was going to say the top shooting guard, but there's some questions there. Clay Thompson is the very top of this. And, of course, he seems like one guy that literally every team in the A in the NBA would love to have him on his roster. I mean, he does everything that you need. He plays defense. He can even guard opposing ones right now. I think by the end of the contract, that might not be the case, but he shoots lights out and doesn't require the ball in his hands a lot or anything. Everybody would love him on his roster. That being said, I don't think he's leaving Golden State. For sure. And I think, you know, I want to get before we dive into the guys that are free agents. I want to talk a little bit about the Kings specifically because we're going to be talking about free agents today through that lens. And I want to maybe we can use Clay as a jumping off point. But would a guy like Clay, if he were leaving Golden State, would he even fit on this Kings roster? Because as we've discussed in detail, uh, Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich we both feel are twos. And do you feel like Clay is also truly a two? And do you feel like there's even room to add a two here? Yeah, I think the question is really defensively, right? I mean, because Bogey being in your bench can really play the bench one almost in a way. He has the ball in his hands, 
but he's not going to be guarding the opposing one. And at the same time, do you want him guarding the opposing three? It really feels like his defensive spot is the two there. Um, Clay is a little different here because I think he is so versatile. You can put him on anywhere one to three, but in general, you're really looking for a guy that probably can guard that either if you're looking at shooting guards, you would hope he'd be able to guard the one that way bogey doesn't have to do it. But that's kind of why we were saying we were looking for a backup point guard and small forward. Right. So as you can see, it gets really complicated talking about positions in the modern NBA because I don't know. I, I like what cleaning the glass does where they have their positions are, there's more than five. It's classified as there's a point combo wing forward and big. Yeah. And, and I think they could also use another position, which is they could divide big into stretch big and anchor big and kind of have that, uh, that dichotomy there. So, I mean, really there's like seven positions in the NBA and it's about, you know, putting a team together these days is not about getting the best point guard, best shooting guard, best small forward, best power forward, best center. It's about getting the best group of five guys that creates as many options for as many different ways to hurt the opposing team or to take away, uh, take away options from the opposing team and to give yourself options on offense as possible in whatever combination that looks like. So if we were to bring on one of these backup shooting guards, which is what we're going into today, I agree with your positioning, but there's just a massive amount of free agents this year. I want to say about half the league is free agents. So this is kind of a way just to separate classes a little bit. And what, what do you need from a shooting guard? He's not going to be starting. It's going to be a backup guy. I mean, one thing, he has to be able to shoot, but what else are you looking for? So it's tough because even with, so taking Clay Thompson as the example here, isn't there a world where say we don't restrict these guys to one, one position of eligibility. Say we, you know, and, and there's a lot of guys like this with small forward and power forward. Say you let everyone be eligible for every position yeah. and you were to rank the best, best options at point guard, best options at shooting guard, so on and so forth. If you really ran down the best options at small forward, wouldn't Clay be pretty high on that list? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's right below that like very elite tier of Kawhi, KD, or S tier, and then Clay is in A tier easily with the likes of Jimmy Butler. I'd put him above Jimmy and elite guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of crazy, but. Clay might even be, we agree Clay is a shooting guard, but he might even be like a prototypical small forward. Like he might be one of the best small forward options in the game. I mean, he's, he's six, seven, great defense, an incredible shooter. Uh, I mean, he does so much, honestly, that, that fits that mold of a, of a small forward. But I guess what I'm getting at here is for any shooting guard that the Kings, for the Kings to look at a shooting guard, they need to be, capable of playing the three as well so at least having those qualities the length and and the size are going to be something i'm definitely looking for in any of these guys uh i think you you do need a shooter uh on the wing these days if you're a non-shooter it's a massive massive problem so yeah i mean i can't even really off the top of my head think who's like the best non-shooter on the wing i mean you got to go pretty low on that list 
Yeah, I mean, especially like we said, modern NBA, you really need that one to four shooting. Even a lot of teams you see like Capella get abused because he can't space the floor. Even Gobert, who's probably the best defensive player in the game, gets abused because he can't space the floor. I mean, it's just so, so vital in today's NBA. But I agree with what you're saying that what we're looking for in these guys that we technically classified or put them under the shooting guard category, even if we don't necessarily fully agree with that, um, need to really be able to play that three. Right. I think I'm going to be looking for guys that are kind of uh, jacks of all trades because, you know, you need a guy who is going to be cutting to the basket. You need a guy who's going to be able to run off screens. You need a guy who at least is capable of, uh, you know, it's okay if he's not a great passer, but he needs to be capable of, of being in a pass heavy offense. In my opinion, um, you know, don't, doesn't need to be a monster on the boards, but if we're talking like a six, 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 seven guy, I'd like him to be able to, to get, you know, to have some rebounding prowess. Yeah. And we touched on Clay Thompson, the other guy in this group who questionably same way as Clay is probably a small forward, but we put him here as Jimmy Butler. And those are the two max guys. Like I said, I think that you agree. I don't think Clay's available. I think he's re-signed in Golden State. I'm 99.9% confident in that. And then Jimmy Butler, there's a little bit more of a question mark. I know that there was a report that Philly was going to offer him that five-year max, which he'd be insane not to accept. And I mean, them paying nearly $40 million to a 35, 34-year-old Jimmy Butler is going to be crazy. But we've talked about Butler potentially on this team, and both kind of like the fit, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, guys like Jimmy and guys like Clay, there's nothing not to like about the fit. Uh, these guys can play on any team. It, there, there is there is no team, there's no constructed team that these guys don't fit on. So, yeah, that's not the issue for me at all. But I agree with you. Clay, I believe, is staying with the Warriors. And I also believe Jimmy Butler will stay with Philly. Maybe it's not quite as much of a lock, but I have no reason to doubt it, really. I, I think that Philly is going to go all in on keeping their guys as best as they can, and, and that'll be that. Yeah. But would you be willing to offer a max at Jimmy? I would, because it's just, I mean, when was the last time the Kings had a chance to bring in a top 20, top 25 player? I think the answer is never. Yeah, agreed. And I guess the next tier is where it obviously gets more realistic and it really falls off. Uh, Some of these are starter level guys, but there's really only a few. I feel like the next guy on this list would probably be Malcolm Brogdon. And I know we've Talked about him a good amount. I think that he's probably second in priority with the Bucks right after Middleton. And Brogdon is restricted. I know that Milwaukee does have a lot of money questions sort of coming up. They just gave Bledsoe that extension. Giannis is going to get paid a, if not the biggest contract in the NBA in the near future. What type of money do you see for Brogdon? It's a good question. And I think that... I could see, I definitely see starter money for him. So for me, that's, we're starting at 15 million there and it could easily go up from there. It depends on what teams fall in love with him and, and how much space those teams have. But 
I anywhere from 15 to 20 wouldn't surprise me at all. I think if you get over 20 million a year, that I, I see that as being a little bit harder to envision. But but yeah, where are you at with it? I put it about 17 and a half because he is fairly young. He spent four years in college. I mean, he's 26. He's going to be going into his third year. He was a 50-40-90 guy this year. I think he really felt like the glue guy of the of those Bucks this year a lot and was just a big piece. I think that on the Kings, I would love Brogdon, and I think around the league, there's plenty of teams that would really like him. I feel like if we got Brogdon, it would almost be putting him in that uh, in that backup one role. Yeah, it's interesting because... Like you, like you're alluding to, he's not a guy that can play the three. Um, he's six five. He, yeah, we, you know, we did straight positions. You know, point guard, shooting guard, uh, small. We're going to be doing small forward in the future. He is more of a combo than a wing. Um, and whew, yeah, I guess would you put him at the one and and ha- and keep Bogey at the two? I Backup two. Think. Yeah, I think that that's what I would go with. It's tough because at that point, see, personally, I feel like Brogdon is not a good fit for this team just simply because Fox is going to get paid, Buddy's going to get paid, Bogey is going to get paid or traded. So unless you really feel like the Kings are going to move on from Bogey, I don't think you can afford to pay four guards. It's okay to have four solid guards, but I, I don't think it's okay to pay four solid guards over, you know, a range of 10 to 20, 25 million. Yeah, agreed. You know, we did this with the point guards, and we have about $33 million to spend this year. We said, we went through our backup point guards. We said, you know, maybe between, what was it, like 12 to $8 million, somewhere in there, we were maybe estimating to spend. And then we're also going to need a starting center. So there's really not that much money left for this backup wing. I mean, where do you reach a point where you're like, you know, I'm not spending this much anymore? So I suppose if Brogdon is your guy here, then you 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 count him as the point guard, and then you definitely still want to bring in another forward, and you want to bring in a, a center that has the potential to start. So for me, Brogdon is I, I feel like your seventeen and a half million estimate is pretty much on point and I to me that feels like he's priced out of the King's range. Yeah. But aside from Brogdon, just looking at a backup wing, what sort of money are you looking to spend? If thirty eight is the the most the Kings can clear up, maybe thirty nine we'll say that divides evenly by three. I, I think that thirteen million a year is uh I kind of Personally, I kind of lean towards that as a cap. You, you could spend, say, you know, a, a maximum of three years, $50 million. That, that breaks down to 13 and a third million per year, and you can have it, have it rise. Um, you know, if you split that among the point guard position, the wing position, and the center position, that for me, I feel uncomfortable going above that $13 million range for, for anybody, really. Yeah, and I'm with you there. So then I, I think you alluded to it. I'm comfortable with it. We're okay crossing Brogdon off the list, just too expensive. 
Right. And and again, you know, just to go back to what I was saying about Jimmy Butler, I will make exceptions for yeah. truly elite players. And I'll, you know, I'll I'll deal with, you know, sign a minimum player at the at the point, sign a minimum player at the at center and just give me uh give me an all-star if at the wing if that's how it has to be. I'm okay with that. So the next guy on the list is someone that you've been vocal about being interested in, but he almost doesn't fit that guarding the small forward mold a little bit. I believe he is he is six six. Is Danny Green? We're seeing him do a lot on this Raptors team. Sometimes a little bit of a streaky shooter, not usually. I mean, pretty consistently actually in that top ten, top fifteen percentage every year. A good defender. He's thirty two right now. What are your What are your thoughts on Danny Green? I strongly disagree with him not being able to guard small forwards. I think he's a fantastic defender of opposing small forwards. And if he were to be on the Kings, he's probably the guy that I would want to guard your Kawhis, your KDs. I mean, KDs a little bit too long for him, but, but really, uh, I mean, he's, he would be my defensive, you know, ace. I would, I would put him on the best player pretty much every night unless it's, I mean, even if it's a point guard, unless it's a center, I, I think that yeah. uh, Danny Green can pretty much guard four positions. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the truly elite guys, everyone is going to struggle with. But in San Antonio, uh, not this year, but the previous year, Basketball Reference has him as playing uh, uh, 58% of his minutes at small forward. So he's been doing that. It breaks down across his career. He's played a little more shooting guard in Toronto than he normally has in the past, but it breaks down a, a pretty close to 60, 40 uh, favoring shooting guard across his career. Interesting. Okay. And you know, he is kind of just a upgraded Corey Brewer, really. Oh, absolutely. He is, uh, he's a little bit younger and he's a little bit more uh, elite, but like you said, he'll be 32 by the time free agency rolls in rolls in. So, you know, he's older. He's he's pretty close to Corey Brewer, but I think that he's a little more spry. Um, yeah, I, I love Danny Green. He's probably going to be my number one option here. Yeah, and I understand that. I mean, there's nothing to not like about Danny Green. He's professional, does everything you need. There's not a glaring weakness. I mean, he's not a playmaker, but we don't need that at all in this backup position. I do think he's a starting caliber guy and that he could get very overpaid on a short-term deal. I mean, what was it, two, three years ago, we saw J.J. Redick get a one-year $23 million contract and then kind of just kept getting those one, two years on high-money amounts. Danny Green's 32 right now. I think that his value is probably about the same Brogdon-wise if we're just talking straight value, but I do think, like I said, he'll get overpaid for a one- or two-year I mean, we talked about this before we hopped on. The dunked on guys said they could very easily see a two-year $40 million for Danny Green, and you think that's totally reasonable, right? I mean, it feels high, but sometimes what happens is teams start to strike out on their number one targets, and then I think that's what happened with J.J. Redick is basically the, the you know Philly had a lot of money, and they missed out on their, their first couple of choices, and they realized, like, listen, we – you know, JJ is very important to us. We want him to feel valued. We don't feel like there's another, an, an, another amazing option to spend this money on. It's okay if we overpay him five mil this year. Yeah. And it, it is weird. We've talked about these positions a lot. 
of there not being this necessarily defined two guard shooting guard anymore. But if you did classify those guys out in the NBA, it's really thin. And Danny Green breaks that top 10 and does everything you want from that position. So if a team has a glaring hole, like we keep going back to this JJ Redick, I mean, the Sixers had no shooting. So they went out and got one of the best shooters in the league. Danny Green will mesh everything together on plenty of teams. So it really does make sense that he could get overpaid. Do you think that, I know he's your number one guy. Do you think that he's out of the price range for the Kings? I don't because I think the Kings can go uh, sort of a longer term route here. I can understand someone, you know, a team out there offering 20 million over one year, you know, maybe, you know, two years, 35. Uh, I would offer three years, 50, like I had mentioned as a, a good benchmark for the top, the top offer that I can give. Uh, if I want to add someone to, at point and on the wing and, a big man, I think three years, 50 is a, that's a pretty good deal. And I mean, 50 to get 50 mil guaranteed when you're 32 and you've never been a superstar, that feels to me like it's something that he would take. I mean, it would be his, his highest salary of his career. And, uh, you know, I think that he would be interested. Yeah. One other interesting point you've had about Danny Green in the past is that He's always been on winning teams. I mean, it was San Antonio nearly his entire career, and now he's in a Toronto team that's going to the finals. Do you think that he would have a hesitation of coming to a rebuilding, up-and-coming type team like Sacramento? If they were to win the championship this year, I don't feel like that's necessarily a need from him. Um, if if Toronto or another contender is going to offer him half that in guaranteed money. Say they go two years, 25 million uh, and he can get double like that in guaranteed cash from a team like the Kings, especially a team like the Kings that I don't really know if you can call rebuilding. Um, you know, maybe if that offer comes from Phoenix or comes from yeah. the, the Knicks and it really is something where, man, I'm going to have to put up with a lot of stuff. That could become an issue, but you go to a team that is on the brink of making the playoffs. Um, like we had mentioned in that Nets crossover episode, there are guys out there like Jerry Dudley who see that as the ideal scenario. I mean, Vince Carter, those, I, I don't feel like Danny Green is too far off from that being that type of player who wants to come in, make a fat paycheck and not destroy his body, but, you know, help, help other guys come along. Yeah, I get that. And you had a good point about, you know, winning it this year. I think he has two championships in San Antonio already. I mean, that's checked off the list, you know, guys. I'm saying. Yeah, where maybe they want this mentor role a little bit. And you're right. Re Rebuilding is definitely the wrong term for the Kings. Uh, I guess fringe playoff is the right way to say it, that they're getting into that playoff position. I mean, they have their core. It's not like it's years of tanking for a lottery pick or anything like that. Um, yeah, so I, I talk, I'm totally with you on Danny Green here. Well, the, let me ask Let me ask one thing before yep. we go off Danny Green. I, uh, I have – do you have his numbers pulled up right now? If, if you don't, don't – if you do I not, do. do not pull them up. All right, look away from your computer <laughs> monitor. Do oh, you know okay. what he, he shot? Do you know what he shot from three this year without looking? I totally uh, looked at it earlier. So it's 45, okay, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Over 45% on seven attempts per game. I mean, that's, inc- 
That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Considering last season, it was only 36% on six attempts. I mean, man, he, yeah, he's, he's an incredible player. Am I right that his field goal percentage might have been lower than his three point? It's higher, uh, okay. 46, 46 and a half. Okay. About the same, but yeah. Oh, so he only has one other championship. Is that it? Yeah. Only. <laughs> the, the, the Kawhi, uh, Oh, yeah. wow. He'll have both of his championships with Kawhi as, as MVP if they win. Yeah, and Kawhi will be the first guy to have an MVP in both conferences, finals MVP in both conferences. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, good to move on to the next couple ones here? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm still in awe of what the Raptors are doing, but yeah, let's yeah, uh, yeah, let's move on. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. So the next guy here is interesting to me. Um, I don't think he fits on the Kings. I'll start with that. And I think we are really looking for some indifference from one of these guys that we'd bring on. It's Terrence Ross, you know, the human torch in Orlando, uh, you know, kind of in the conversation for six man of the year, but he's all offense. Defense is terrible. He's 28. He, it just doesn't fit for me. Like I, I don't see it in Sacramento at all. So, okay. Is, is Terrence Ross like your next guy or is he a member of the, the next tier of guys? He's a member of the next tier, but Terrence Ross interests me because he had the best year of his career this year on halfway decent percentages. I want to say I am going to pull this up, but uh, 20 points a game. So the percentages are oh not great. I mean, 42% from the field is an ideal 38% from deep is okay. I mean, his that's great on seven attempts a game. Yeah, that's true. And like I said, I mean, oh, so I was wrong about 20 points a game. He was about 15. Like I said, he was, really at one point in talk for a six man of the year and part of his Orlando needed that scoring but I just I feel like he could get a higher contract than the rest of this group I have but I question it and the other guys in this group I have are Rodney Hood who is interesting I mean finally kind of came around but we saw him do pretty big things in Portland and then Jeremy Lamb's in here also they Ross and Lamb both kind of fall under this. It seems like they're going to stay with their team and their team might be the ones to overpay just because the fit on the team they're already on seems to work. Ross, I think is an interesting one. I'm, this is, I just, I'm trying to point out here that this is a pretty big tier gap for me, uh, especially if we're talking Rodney hood, uh, Okay. Not not really interested in Rodney Hood. I mean, I, I get it. Like, he had a yeah. nice run in the playoffs, but... You mean uh, Terrence Ross like going from Danny Green to these, right? Yeah, yeah. From yeah. going from, like, Brogdon or Green to yeah. 
to Robbie Hood. To me, that feel like I'm I'm uh, getting the bends, just experiencing that elevation oh, yeah. change. Well, we're going from starter level guy to what, like 15, 20 minutes max. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ross. I, I like I. I guess Ross makes sense. I don't know if he was a real six man of the year candidate, but you're absolutely right that he can be a six man. Whereas Hood, I feel like we're talking more seventh, eighth, ninth man, like yeah. you know, not like end of the rotation, but but a guy that is clearly and unequivocally a, a backup. Yeah, and I guess we can throw JJ Redick in this group also. Do you feel? I mean, but do you feel like there's a fit for any of these guys? They don't guard the three or the one, really. It feels like. I mean, Ross doesn't guard anybody. <laughs> Rodney Hood isn't great on the defensive end either. Of course, J.J. Reddick's just going to get abused no matter what. Jeremy Lamb's a little thin as well in that regard. I mean, I don't really see a fit for any of these guys on the Kings. I think that you essentially, if you get any of these guys, you so Reddick, I'll keep out of this for now, but if you get Hood, Ross, or Lamb, I think you suddenly have a three-guard lineup. I think that they come very close to starting and I think Barnes moves up to the four. Uh, I think that's probably pretty likely, you know, Ross, I think you just plug him into the three and uh, it's That's got problems of its own, but no, I, I, you know, and hood is a little bit taller, but he doesn't play like it. Same, you know, lamb, you said pretty frail guy, but I know that he's played some three in his career. I, I don't love the fit of any of these guys. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And then, I mean, it falls off even more. Not really. I mean, not that hard. Obviously not the same drastic difference between Green Brogdon and the guys we just talked about. But Seth Curry, I mean, interests me a little more than those other guys, but I still don't see a fit in any sort of way. Um, Wesley Matthews, I don't know. I I like the veteran, I guess. And there's three and D, but I don't fully see him guarding threes I think that he maybe can for a few possessions but his defense definitely slowed down I just none of those guys I guess to kind of group it Seth Curry Wesley Matthews Justin Holiday, Reggie Bullock I mean do any of those names make your ears perk up uh, I think I think we're moving too quickly through these I want to talk a little okay. bit more about what you would offer. I want to know what you would offer for Terrence Ross because he did play small forward primarily this year. So according to basketball reference and same with hood. So these two guys tell me, I think you had them right on the same level. Uh, is there any separation there? Tell me what kind of contract you would offer these guys. They're pretty similar in age. Ross is 28. Hood is 26. What kind of offer is, what's the offer looking like here? Well, I think Terrence Ross is more interesting than Rodney Hood. I know I do have him on the same level, but I could see more money thrown at Ross uh, for a team that really needs just a spark plug on offense. And I think that staying in Orlando makes the most sense. I could see a three-year, like a three-year, 45 million. I could see him getting 15 a year. I think it might be a bit of an overpay and I think you might regret it at some point because he can't play any defense but he really is like just get you a bucket at any time and when he heats up he'll take over a game on one end yeah I think if if he got an offer for four years 50 I think he'd snatch that up yeah 
Uh, I think if you got an offer, like you said, three forty-five, he's probably snatching that up too. Yeah, yeah. And Rodney Hood, I think that because he did have a good year in Portland, but obviously was very bad in Cleveland. He refused to come on the floor in the finals. There's questions with that. Yeah. I think he's getting a one-year deal, and it's like, okay, you did a good job in Portland, but I need you to prove it to me that this is legit, that this is going to stick around. And maybe it's decent money for one year. I mean, if it's only a year, then you got some room to kind of test them out. I could see a one-year $10 million seems high. It does. It does. It feels high to me. What would, what would you throw a one-year at Rodney Hood? Eight? I think eight. Yeah, I think closer towards eight because he's not giving you anything on defense. He is kind of just like a pure shooter, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, am I off base there? Is well, there I some, think he is can there, shot create a little. I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. I, I mean. But it's just not proven. Like it's, there was one good stretch of being nice in Portland. And besides that, you just had what everyone was calling confidence issues. But the point is you couldn't get the ball in the hoop. You didn't look like you cared at all. Well, he was nice in Utah. Yeah. Uh, you know, not this season, but the previous season before being traded to Cleveland, he had a really, I mean, he was really stroking it in, in Utah. He had like seven, you know, seven, three point attempts a game, hitting 39% of those. You're right that he was, he was taking a lot of two point shots as well. I mean, I, I never really thought of him as anything more than a bench shooter, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, he was averaging 17 points a game with that Utah team. And uh, he started for a little while, but he was mostly coming off the bench. And that was that was before Mitchell stepped up. I mean, you yeah. know, Donovan Mitchell, we we didn't see him coming from day one. Uh, he eventually stepped up and and sort of made Hood less important to that team. And and then they they went on, on to try to trade him for uh, I think it was Crowder and some other pieces. They tried to find someone that would work better, uh, uh, balance that that roster a little bit more. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, my question is if he got traded from Utah and then he got traded from Cleveland and there was the whole thing in the finals where he didn't or, – or I guess it was the conference uh, conference finals where he didn't want to suit up. I mean, is there any attitude issues here, like any personality stuff going on? I think that you do consider it, yes, but it, it's just behind-the-scenes stuff, so it's kind of hard to gauge. Yeah, for some reason, he his numbers look like a guy that could make fifteen a year. But then, when you you put all the pieces together and you think about his reputation, to me, he feels like a much cheaper guy than that. And remember, what was the what was the deal with him in free agency last year? Because he was one of the last players to sign a deal in all of free agency. I don't remember, but that is a good point. He waited a long time. And then I think his contract wasn't, was not much at all either. I mean, I think it's like we're talking about, there were just a lot of question marks. If you refuse to go into a game, I mean, that's going to raise some red, red flags. Yeah, I believe. So he actually, yeah, he accepted his qualifying offer after like no offers were coming in. And I remember because King's Twitter, he was the last guy around that King, the King's Twitter even was, at all interested in where, I mean, the Kings are sitting there with $20 million in space and everyone's like, you know, sign this guy, sign that guy. And then as the weeks 
droned by, eventually was like, all right, well, Rodney Hood's still available, so how about we just throw him like an $8 million offer? And it still didn't happen. He got no offers. And then I believe uh, he just, yeah, he just picked up his, his qualifying offer. It was like, I'm out. I think he got an offer from them for a little bit more than that, a multi-year deal, though, and he he just wanted out. Yeah, I, I really do think that it's an it's a one-year type deal somewhere of, you know, prove this is who you really are, what you did last year in Portland rather than, I guess, mainly Cleveland, because like you said, he was decent in Utah. That makes sense, and I think that if it's a one-year deal, I can see $10 million. Um, or maybe someone gives him uh, – like a one plus one where you, if someone really needs a shooting guard, you, you give him that $10 million the first year, give him the option to return at 10 million. Or if he really does prove it, you know, he can decline that option and, and try to get himself a real deal because you'll, he'll have time to sign a real long-term contract if he can prove it. Yeah. And you know, like we said, there's half the, half the players on the market this year. Teams have a crazy amount of cap space. Last year, we saw Jabari Parker get a two-year $40 million with a one-plus-one. Uh, second-year player option, obviously, is not they're not – or second-year team option, obviously, they're not keeping that. And I will say that Jabari Parker has higher upside, you know, form number two pick, all, still all this glamour behind him, which should be fully gone by now. But there's a chance someone overpays just hoping that Rodney Hood becomes – I guess, like we said, that kind of six man of the year. Yeah, I suppose it's possible. Yeah. So the next guy on here is Jeremy Lamb. And this one's interesting to me. You know, I think he's a good offensive player. And that if Kemba does stay in Charlotte, which I think there's a decent chance that he will, that Jeremy Lamb's really been the number two guy. And that's not, I mean, Lamb's nice. But he's not a number two option on a team by any means. I think that he maybe could also play this same type of role of a six-man kind of spark plug off the bench. But mm-hmm. you're not getting defense from him. He He's 27. He's a year older than Rodney Hood. This contract's kind of weird to me. I mean, I think that he's going to look for some length here. I honestly think he just ends up staying in Charlotte. But what, like four-year... What do you do? You give him ten million a year? I mean, oh, I man, I, Charlotte's in so much trouble financially too. Yeah. They, I, uh, assuming they keep Kemba, they can't even really pay Jeremy Lamb. So I don't, yeah. don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, there's even people even seem to think that it might be best for them not to keep Kemba, and then you tr- you do try to sign Lamb to a a decent deal, but they have so many terrible contracts. I just want to pull up, pull up yep. the poor Hornets cap yeah, like Marvin Williams, Nick Batum. So, so Williams, I think is actually the best deal on this entire, entire cap sheet. But yeah, so Nick Batum has got a $25 million deal, <laughs> de- uh, dollar deal next year. And then a $27 million pl- uh, player option the following year. That is so ugly. <laughs> Biombo's got 17 mil this oh, year. God. Yeah, then the the you know Williams at 15 mil. Honestly, that feels okay. Like he's a starting four. It's not a disaster. I mean, it's not good, but it's yeah, not a disaster compared to the others. Right, and then you got Cody Zeller, who's got 30 mil across the next two years. 
Um, and again, like not a disaster if he were ever to stay healthy, but he has never stayed healthy ever. Uh, MKG's got a $13 million player option. I think he picks that up and he's not a starter level player in my opinion. Can't shoot. Can't shoot. I mean, Malink, Malink Monk looks like a legitimate bust. Uh, I mean, that's really rough stuff. You sign Kemba to that team and at the max or anywhere near the super max, right? Yeah. Uh, then you're done. I mean, your your off season's over. So then, what type of money do you feel like would be on the market for Lamb? I mean, ten million is is steep, right? A bit. Ten million feels safe to me. I think he'll make that ten million. I think that he's a a sixth man, a, you know, somewhere between your fifth and seventh best player. He can be the worst starter on a you know semi decent team, or he can be, uh, you know, one of a, a better bench option for for a fairly competitive team. So I think he's in that five to seven range uh, on a roster. So you know, ten to to thirteen million a year. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's not like you're paying for upside. He is what he is now. He's 26. I think that he could do some fine tuning. Things could get a bit better. But what I mean, 15 points per game last year, 40, 44% from the field with 30, nearly 35% from deep. His free throw shooting's always been about 85 plus. That's nice. So he's efficient, but he is kind of a hole on defense like we talked about could see it and it's probably going to be a little bit longer i would think like would you do a four-year 40 i think he could definitely get four years 40 he could probably get get pretty yeah he could probably get in that ballpark pretty easily yeah i I, that that feels about right to me okay and then the next one i want to throw at you and i'm going to let you lead this one this one is interesting to me i it's gonna be a short term it's jj reddick he's 35 years old but of course you know i mean his shooting is still gonna be there and that's one of the most valuable things in the league right now terrible defender just like the rest of these guys we talked about what do you kind of see the market for jj i feel like he's he's pretty much looking outside of philly because philly's gonna have to bring back tobias and jimmy or it looks like they are likely going to I think that he is probably uh, a shoe-in for eight or nine million on a one-year deal because I think that this is an MLE, the MLE special right here. Okay, that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Going to a team that's obviously capped out but uh, has that exception. I mean, maybe if he goes to the right team. OKC could desperately use some shooting. If there's a team that feels like he puts them over the top that has their uh, biannual, maybe he signs for that, which I believe is like four and a half this this upcoming offseason. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's really age is starting to creep up on him. He's slowing down a little bit. The percentages are still going to be decent, but you're not going to see him having the same speed and quickness of coming off these screens and running however many three-plus miles per game, you know. It's it's going to slow down a little bit, but we see guys like what Corver is getting really close to 40, and it's the same type of thing. And even then, Corver is a taller J.J. Redick. Right. I think that there's going to be a team out there that just needs another shooter, and they've got, they'll give them you know, pretty close to their full MLE. I think they'll just do one year, nine million. Um, 
I mean, honestly, any team could it could use an extra shooter, so that feels like it's going to happen. Yeah. And like we said, I mean, no fit really or want for Sacramento to go after any of these guys, you feel like, right? Terrible fit for JJ on this team. Yeah. You know, I, I think you can pretend like Ross or Hood uh, can defend a three and just put him there and say you'll deal with it. But uh, Lamb's a little too small, a little too, little too light. And JJ, that's a terrible fit. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform, They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The next tier of these guys really feel like they are a decent jump lower. And there's a good amount of shooting guards that really feel like some 3 and D players and some of them fall under that. I guess the first four guys that I will kind of group together here would be Wesley Matthews and Reggie Bullock. I feel like they're very similar players. And then Steph Curry and Justin Holiday, both uh, similar in certain ways as well. What do you think about, I guess we'll start with uh, Wesley Matthews here. I'm not a big fan of Wes Matthews, honestly. So I get that. I get that there are big time Wes Matthews stands out there. I, I don't truly understand them. I mean, you know, I mean, he can shoot it, but I don't see him giving you much defense at the three. So again, I know this is the the yeah. shooting guard episode, but it's just I don't see how. And I mean, unless we're really, unless we are going to just put Bogey at at the backup one and have him primarily run the second unit. I mean, I, how how do you feel about that fit? If you got you got Bogey at the one and, and West Matthews at the two. I think that I could deal with that on offense. It's mainly about if you're doing that, then I need this backup two to be able to guard the opposing one because I don't want Bogey doing it. Yeah, and I don't know that Wes Matthews can do that. No. he's. I thought he was actually a little older, which he is 32. But, yeah, I mean, they're shooting, I guess. Um, I, I, You're right. For, for Kings, I don't see it. He's just – I think that he is – a totally fine rotation piece for a team that needs an extra two guard. But yeah, I mean, he, he went from Dallas to, to the Knicks to the Pacers. I mean, he was a buyout guy last year, so I don't really see him as, as getting a, a significant contract this year. No, but I do think, like you said, he has a spot in a rotation on a contending type team as like a backup two because there is a decent three and D but it's more so a team that really has that hole I mean he just doesn't fit what Sacramento's looking for right I definitely I definitely don't see a big offer from like yeah. a a rebuilding type team or even a fringe type team I think that you might be overrating his defense a little bit at this age yeah um you know he can hold his ground uh, if he's in the right system, but I, I don't see him as a plus defender for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him as a liability. I thought he did okay in Indiana, 
So I think he's he's decent, but like we said, talking Sacramento, I don't see it. Uh, do you see Reggie Bullock as the same type of player here? You know, I mean, at least he's a little younger, right? I mean, he's. Yeah. I always think of Reggie Bullock as being much younger than than he actually is, but he is only twenty eight. So at least you're not worried about him falling off a cliff like you would be with <laughs> Wes Matthews, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So I mean, I don't know. He can he can do he can do some things. He, I actually kind of liked him for the Pistons, so um, I don't know. I thought that he fit pretty well in that offense. Obviously, he didn't do anything in L.A. By the time he got to L.A., that that team was that season was pretty much wrapped up. But I mean, if we're talking about if this is the next tier, I mean, what is the dollar amount on this tier? Hmm. I mean. Maybe we're saying eight million even seems a bit high debatably, but maybe about there. It feels that feels mighty high to me. That feels mighty high to me. Yeah, like a six maybe. I'm thinking like this is like a this is your five million dollar tier tier. Okay, I mean, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, and I I think that's that goes for the whole tier here. Um, Wes Matthews, that feels right to me. Justin Holiday, that feels right to me. Seth Curry, I am super low on Seth Curry, but again, these are just guys that hey, they're shooters, and you know they can do a little bit of creating. They can, I mean, not all of these guys, but I, they, I don't feel like these guys are are doing much other than adding an extra shooter to a to a contender. Yeah, I guess I just think of some teams that do desperately need shooting i mean okc is one that instantly sticks out there the magic a little bit as well maybe some of these guys are getting offered like a two-year 15 something like that sure okay i i can see that if they if if there's a team that sees one of these guys as a head and shoulders above the rest i can see that um what like maybe a joe harris analog here yeah He's not. I think Harris has proved himself to be a little bit above these guys, but that type of a what did did Harris get last year? I know what he took was technically team friendly. Yeah, let me look this up. I I think he got somewhere in around like two years. Okay, so yeah, that's. I think that's the the peak for this group. Uh, If any of these guys, like you just said, I think you just threw out two two fifteen. Yeah. As an option for these guys, I feel like that that the ceiling is like a Joe Harris type deal for these guys. Yeah, and Joe Harris is, you know, for a while they're the best three-point percentage in the league. And they did say that's team-friendly, but I, I agree with you. I think about two-year 15. You know, one guy that's kind of interesting to me that I think really can play that guarding the opposing one has a non-guaranteed contract and has played down, but I still got a little bit of a soft spot from his time in Boston is Avery Bradley. Okay, I thought you were going to say Austin Rivers. No, 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 no. He was never in Boston, man. Don't worry. Okay, it was just the Doc connection. Yeah. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast. 
that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes. And you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Uh, now it's time to talk about your favorite player. Am I am I right? Oh yeah, apparently that this is my favorite player in the entire NBA. Because That's what I've been I told. I said I liked Austin Rivers one time and uh, it has just never been able to leave me. And I don't think it was one time. I this was- is true, but like, you just kept asking me, and it's like you know I had to double down. Like I couldn't, I couldn't just, I couldn't give up on it, you know. And if we're talking Austin Rivers, I know we put him in the shooting guards. I would probably have him as the backup one, but you know, talking through it a little bit, we were saying that we would need him to guard the opposing one. I think Rivers can do an okay job, but I'm not necessarily the most comfortable there. No. He's he's not going to be as good of an off ball two guard uh, on offense, and he's not going to be as good of an as an on ball uh, uh, one guard on defense. So on both counts, he's going to struggle a little bit more there. But I will give you credit and props that you know you started talking up Rivers, and he had a pretty solid series against the Warriors. The rest of that series after you, he missed game one, but you know. I mean, hey, I'll give you your props. He did not look like a total zero out there. There we go. What do you know? So, and it was never like a number one option or anything. You know, it's if you strike out, I wouldn't hate giving this guy a chance. I really have a soft spot for guys that have like this dog mentality and just play their asses off. And Rivers definitely falls under that category. Have you seen the picture or do you remember the game where his face just got completely screwed up? Like it looks like he can hardly see off one eye because it's covered with a bandage and all bruised and everything. And he's still out there on the floor, like diving after loose balls. Uh, Like Fred, Fred Van Vliet style. Yeah, pretty much. Except Rivers, like he looked so banged up. I'll have to show you the picture at some point, but I just, I just have a soft spot for guys that, really hustle and I feel like it's contagious so it's definitely not a number one option but I would consider Rivers in there a little bit right right okay well let's let's do lightning round the rest of these guys I, I'm not gonna you know this we're da- we're getting down to the the snickle fritz here so yeah let's run through the rest and and just well I can pick some names out of it here and what are you what are you looking for me to answer here Kings fit or how they are as a player just throw out the I'm I I'm assuming that we're getting close to the end of the list. If you want to just run down the rest of the names you've got, I'll pull a couple out and okay. then you can pull a couple out and it can be whatever we want. All right, so next I guess group of guys we got here, Wayne Ellington, Ian Clark, David Nawaba, Patrick McCaw, we mentioned Jamal Crawford, Vince Carter, and Garrett Temple. This is not an inspiring list. And by the way, <laughs> Was Alec Burks on this list? He was, but uh, it's easy to forget about him. I honestly, if you said his name, I it totally passed by me because I am so off of Alec Burks. But I was never on board for Alec Burks. A lot of these guys don't interest me. Um, the few I'll pick a few out. I am I love Vince Carter. Obviously, I think Carter. You know, forty two years old, but it's crazy. I mean, I'm not ta- I'm not turning down Vince Carter if he wants if he wants to be a king, you know. Just 
let let us know and we will give you our full support. Uh, aside from that, I'll pull out Garrett Temple, who we've talked about a little bit before, and I'll pull out David Nawaba, who I want to get to. But is anyone anyone else on here that, aside from Nawaba and Temple, that you want to make a case for? I think that McCaw has a slight interest to me, but even then, I mean, it's sort of there's concerns on personality, sort of off-court things, you know, declining a Warriors contract in a role that really worked well for him, and now he's in Toronto, and what, he gets like maybe three minutes, five minutes a game in these finals, and if that, you know, on a on a lucky day, he kind of interests me. I mean, 6-7, and there is some potential upside. He shot 33% from deep, but he's never playing all too many games. I just think there is a potential upside there. So that one interests me more, at least in the rest of this group. Okay, that's interesting. And he's also the youngest of this group by a, a large margin. Yeah, and he is restricted also. I wouldn't worry about that no, too much. No, me either, but it's there, I guess. Nawaba and- is also restricted, and he's a guy that I like from this group. He also has a very, very vocal uh, set of Twitter fans, by the way. I kind of know what you're talking about. I do like Nawaba, but he is, I mean, he's just all defense. Right, he's a zero on offense. And honestly, though, at this level, if we're if we're getting down to this tier of players... I'm not expecting them to be two-way guys. Like, I mean, Ellington is the opposite. Like, he's all all offense, and, and he's going to give you nothing on defense. Nawaba's all defense going to give you nothing on offense. But I just – I think Nawaba can legitimately defend threes, so he's a guy to, to look at there. And then I think my favorite out of this whole group, honestly, is Garrett Temple. Yeah, I like that as well. I mean, I'd probably put Vince first, uh, like you talked about, though. Temple is up there as well. Do you feel like, you know, the history with Sacramento uh, gives him any hesitations with the Kings? I mean, it's not like it was a bad departure or anything, but he was here previously. My guess is that he left on pretty good terms. Certainly, people will tell you that the trade was a favor to him to get him on a better team. That obviously didn't work out. Uh, Or to get him more minutes. And that didn't really work out either. I, I mean, I guess, I guess you can say that. But then he didn't even end up on Memphis. So I think, by the way, stop making trades as a, as a favor to, to players. I think that sucks. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I just I loved him as a, a member of this community, and he had one of the better years of his career this year. Maybe not necessarily statistics wise, but. As far as his impact on the game, I thought he was really contributing at a high level. Yeah, he definitely was. I think that he was maybe getting some starter plays over there in L.A. and really played a valuable role there. You think he can guard the three? I think he does an okay job at it. I think he does an okay, yeah. I mean, in a pinch, in a pinch, I think that he can. Um, I think that if, if there's any way that he could come in and be like the the fifth wing of this group and not necessarily need a lot of time. I understand he's still he's still only 33, so he probably doesn't want to be completely buried on a depth chart, but 
I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like if he's okay with accepting a, a very minor role, I would love to have him back. Okay. And something we did for the point guards, you threw at me, you know, you have one contract to offer to any of these guys. I'm going to go the same thing for you here. You have one contract to offer, not guaranteed to accept, but you have one to offer to any of this group of guys. What's your number and who are you throwing it at? Danny Green, three years, 50 million. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then that that kind of limits your center point guard money, right? You can give three contracts out at three years, 50 million, and then the Kings could come in just under, uh, just under under the cap. So that's how I would do it. I would I would offer that same contract to Pat Beverly, and uh, I, I won't spoil who I'm going to give that to <laughs> in, in, in the center, but a lot of you could guess. Yeah. Okay, and then I, I can get behind that. I mean, Danny Green would be a great piece for this. Like we said, that veteran presence does everything you want on and off the floor. If you're striking out of that, we know it really lowers down after. What's the next contract you're looking at here if Danny Green's off the table? I would go Terrence Ross at four years, $40 million. Really? Okay. I don't think I can... I really don't see Ross on this team too much. Like we talked about, it's all offense, and I don't feel like that's really a need for us. Like I really am valuing defense from this guy. I would prefer defense, but we're picking from a group of guys that after Green uh, and after Brogdon, after Clay, Butler, Brogdon, Green, it is slim pickings, like for real. So Yeah. And what I, was I, what was your contract you said? Four years forty. Okay. Uh, and I, I know it's high, but I, I want to get this done. I want to get this yeah. deal done. And then I also, I mean, it doesn't actually feel that high to me, but it doesn't no. feel crazy high. No, it and doesn't. I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, if, uh, you know, if Bagley's moving to the starting lineup, there's going to be less offense on the bench. I know it's yeah. not a need necessarily, but if you can max out a team's offensive firepower, that is probably in a lot of ways just as good as trying to get better on defense. Like maybe we're not there yet as a team. Maybe the Kings don't need to necessarily try to go from a poor defense to a great defense. Maybe just become one of the highest powered offenses in the game. You know, I mean, we talked about how the Warriors did this. Like this is how this is the, the path the Warriors took is get that firepower in here first. Yeah, I will say the Warriors had a elite defense for a while there also I would my second guy would be Avery Bradley assuming that that non-guaranteed contract isn't picked up so that's all you got that's all we got that's all I got all right well that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast thank you to everybody for listening be sure you can find us on all of your podcast platforms be sure to subscribe rate and follow us on twitter at kings underscore pulse you will hear from us again in a couple days For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.